you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right, here we go. Now we are live. All right, so I am with Greg Mills out there. If you guys haven't met him before, he's been a student of mine for a while. Actually, student of my instructors also. He's under Dennis Ichikawa, just like I was. And then his, uh, Krav, you know, his Krav Maga time came underneath me. And we get to, uh, you know, I got some good stories about you, especially about how you got to go out in uh, how it looked like you came out to um virginia you moved from california to virginia and yeah. well we're not going to get political let's not even go there maybe <laughs> <laughs> another time so, <laughs> that's right that's right one thing i don't know if everybody knows about greg greg is a huge dog dog lover as am i and he and uh he used to bring his dogs and there which one is that one this is Aries. This is my aspect. My yeah, there's his Aries. That's that's yeah. the new one. Now, I I think did I meet? Have I met her? Did you bring her to town one time or no? Uh, I brought him uh, last Christmas, but we we weren't able to uh, meet up. So no. Oh yeah, that sucks because you know you're one of my most favorite dogs ever was Laura. You know what I yeah. mean? I love that dog. Used to bring him into the. Is she isn't she the one that could scale the cage? Yeah, we, we'd bring in, she'd sit in the octagon like while we all training. And then right. when, once we were done, she knew it we're done and she'd jump over the fence and just be like, oh, <laughs> then she and I would spar on the mat and stuff. Like That's right. I, yeah. I, you were actually one, you were actually the first person that that dog met after I adopted her. I went from, <laughs> I went from the, the shelter and straight mm. to, uh, straight to Chatsworth. <laughs> yes, like, that is, uh, <laughs> this, that is a love you and I do share. I mean, I am, yeah. uh, you know, that I'm a, I'm a dog. Uh, a love. matter of fact, I don't know if you've seen pictures, but I've got a little pit bull puppy now. I've always yeah. wanted a blue and, uh, I've got one. She's a female. We named her Nezuko. You probably know what that is. Cause you're a nerd like my kids the demon slayer nezuko or whatever that's that's sounds like, a, sounds like an anime thing yeah it's an anime thing well yeah, that's right no, you really weren't anime you were more cause cosplay um, or comic whatever books, dungeon dragons video games yeah you know grown men wearing spandex that kind of thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's definitely you yeah yeah but you know what not many men can pull off wearing spandex you just happen to be one of them that could so <laughs> uh, it worked out well yeah. 
Well, one of my, my favorite things I miss is our is the Christmas parade. Uh, yeah, well, just dressing up as Deadpool and just being like, "Okay, Greg, now you get to be you." Yeah, <laughs> this whole time. I know you always liked the Captain America, but really, Deadpool was more your character for sure. Because yeah. uh, what I want to be, Deadpool. That's is correct. What I is just what I just happened <laughs> to be. <laughs> that's correct. That's a that's a hundred percent correct. You're right. That's funny. That's really funny. Well, Greg, let's talk about let's talk about where you started. Um, you know, uh, you know, I keep a close eye on you where you're at out there and 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 try and help you get your your crop uh, your crop stuff off the ground. But we'll talk about how you you got out there a little bit later in the podcast. But let's talk. Let's start with where you started. Um, let's talk about your let's talk about your family first, okay? Because sure. you're not you're not near your family right now, and. Uh, Let's talk about you know your mom and dad and and uh, your siblings that you have. Let's let's talk about them and then we'll move on from there. Okay, sound good? Okay, yeah. Um, I don't. Know, I came from a great home. Uh, good, uh, good mom, good dad. Uh, annoying little sister. Uh, you know, in the way little sisters can <laughs> can be, but I love her to death. And um, and um, yeah, uh, amazing set of grandparents. Um, my dad's parents uh, in particular, they were extremely based in, uh, in their Christian faith. And so that was always a huge presence growing up. Um, and man, it's kind of like my parents, I, there's so many things I thought that I don't know what they could have done better in some circumstances, but I definitely made sure that they had to check every tool in the box of how to raise me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I, I didn't come into your life until a little bit later is where I, you know, we, we probably knew about each other in, in, you know, I'm sure you heard about Mark Cox as, as much as I heard about Greg Mills, you know, as you were training and then, um, yeah. you know, those stories could be good or bad. I, I guess that's, that can go either way for both of us. Right. Yeah. Um, the, I um, think that was, we had a lot of commonalities, a lot of overlap yeah. in, uh, in some of those stories, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, it was you know, my, my beginnings were uh, a little bit different. You know, I, I, I thought that martial arts is just going to make me a little bit better than what I was. Cause I really thought I was the, you know, the cat's meow back in the day. And, uh, I realized quickly that it's a humbling experience when you're getting your ass kicked. Uh, uh, because you know, you got some people that are a little bit, uh, more experienced, but to, let's, let's talk about it. You know, I know that you have a lot of students that are probably listening. We already have a, a good amount that are listening now. And if you guys have any questions for Greg or you want to do a shout out to him, if you're watching on a book at uh, either on my on my channel, on my Real Talk channel, you can ask him questions. Or you can throw comments at him. You know what I mean? And we'll pop them up screen. Um. So, did you tell you? Did you tell your folks you're you're going to be on today? They get to listen I did. to you. Yeah, my okay. parents uh, are not very tech savvy, so. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you come by that naturally. To share them. I'll share them the link uh, when we're done, and that might <laughs> yeah. work out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. that would probably that'd be good. Yes, it'd be, it'd be all it'd be there. They can either listen to it or watch it. Either way, they want to do it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, well, let's talk about your you growing up, Greg. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure some of your students know that. Um, you had you yeah i mean you struggled as as a youth and i believe you had to go to uh um uh home out of state is that correct yeah yeah no i um kind of like i said before like i gave my parents a 
a run for everything. Um, uh, big into stealing stuff, big into just some vandalism, fighting, complete uh, defiance of authority, um, whether in school, just kind of like, um, yeah. It, and it's, uh, I, I was reading about how some people, they just, they try one thing and then they try the next thing. And then it's not so much that they want to do these things, but they keep on getting pushed because there's no, there's not being a reaction that they want. And so my parents are extremely um, patient with me of uh, after being diagnosed with uh, ADHD and things like that, uh, being smaller, dealing with all the bullying. Uh, they're very protective, but they also try to instill that accountability in me. And we grew up going to therapy almost my whole life. My parents were the type that showed up to therapy where a lot of parents are, mm. they kick them to the therapist and they're like, hey, fix my kid. Uh, I'm sure, and we get some of that in our martial arts where we, where the parents, like our kids dicking around at, at the house, fix our kid. It's like, well, you know, this is, we all need to work together. And so my parents, uh, were big on that, but then, um, uh, just things just kept on adding up and, uh, accumulated in me stealing my parents' car while they're in, uh, while they were in a church service, uh, while they're in a, <laughs> a, a, a Bible study group. And uh, me and getting into a hit and run, and it was night, so they didn't see that I had completely wrecked like the side of the car by the time I got back. And uh, then the guy knock on the door, and police officers are there and being like, "Hey." Then um, got checked into UCLA. Uh, I was in there in their psych ward for about a month and a half uh, while they kind of figured out what to do with me and uh, what's going on. Then shipped me off to uh, Provo, Utah. And uh, that was a boarding school under lock and key. I was expected to be there for six months and um, ended up being there for three years. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was experience. <laughs> Definitely an experience. Yeah. I you know, you you spoke to me privately about that here and there. The you know, let's let's go. Let's take a step back. And, you know, it's it's uh, the bullying part for you. Where did that where did that play a part for you? I mean, you saying that you were a smaller kid, is that what it was? Did it you was naturally start fighting because of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know with all the trouble I got into, I told my parents, Hey, at least I never got expelled. To which my mom very promptly replied, What are you talking about? You got expelled from preschool. <laughs> I'm like, What? <laughs> Apparently for hitting a kid a kid over the head of a shovel. Uh, cause they're bothering me. I don't remember the details, so I couldn't fill it in. But if I, from what I do remember getting in trouble, uh, just, I was small in everybody. I was super hyperactive. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, super annoying. And, but then, uh, I didn't also, I was always, I was always myself though. Like, and, um, and so when people would try and bully me, it, I eventually got fed up and then I cracked somebody in the head. And they left me alone. And then mm -hmm. I spent a good part of my adolescence uh, trying to unlearn that lesson of that. Oh, you call me a bad name. I punch you in the face. That's going to be a solution. And, um, and yeah, so that came through a lot of that, that bullying that I, way. I, uh, yeah. Being a, I mean, right. like I said, I'm proud to be a nerd, right? Comic books and all that stuff. When I, when I was in school, that was the kind of thing that got you put in the locker <laughs> and, uh, and beat up for him and um, 
yes, a lot of the defending came out of that. History. Yeah, I think that I, I relate to that story quite well because, uh, you know, uh, being bullied like I was in school, too, I figured out really quick that um, uh, I punch you in the face. You, you kind of leave me alone. And so do a lot of other people. And so I kind of grew up that same way. It, it, you, it looks like you turned to comics. And um, back in my time, it was probably um, if you looked at the back of comic books or stuff like that, you'd always see the the bodybuilder and somebody getting kicked in the sand in the face. And uh, this is what right. you do. So I always was kind of uh, drawn to that, um, in, into that, into the weight room and, and the working out and stuff like that. So I, I, you know, I remember that's something that's common. Well, how old were you when, when you had to go off to this home? How old were you? I was 13, 13 years old. Like almost so 14, just about, so for, probably for more 14. Yeah. <laughs> so did, and how about, were you were you drinking at the time too? Were you doing any any drugs, or were oh, you no, just kind of hyperactive? No. Um, I actually didn't start start drinking until I was about twenty five. Um, uh-huh. um, and a big part of that is because of where I got sent away. And it's also a big reason why I, I don't touch. I've never touched drugs. No interest in it whatsoever. Because with everyone that was there, I was like one of two people during that whole three year stint that had nothing to do with drugs. So I'm like, okay, at least I was able to put together that. I'm here and I'm not dealing with this, the main problem that most of these people are dealing with. So let's not add that on top of everything else. Um, mm-hmm. Plus also my, my family didn't drink uh, really at all. Um, so it just, it's something I didn't grow up with. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, you're talking about having hyperactivity, uh, but when did you, when did you, so your parents put you there at 13, when was your martial arts training? When did that, when did that come into I play? When I, was, I started when I was like four. Uh, so you started at four. I mean, but that, I started with, uh, uh, since Alex Sheen Shotokan karate out of the, uh, Agora Hills rec center. And so I studied under that, got to my, uh, my third Brown belt. So right before black and, uh, my parents gave me the choice. Do you want to play hockey? Or you want to play or do martial arts still? You can only pick one. Me being the kid, ooh, new shiny thing. I went and played hockey and then promptly started getting into even more trouble. Um, uh-huh. And so they re-enrolled me. And my neighbor across the street was training with, uh, with uh, T.O. Wesley Karate under Dennis Chikawa. And uh, I started there and haven't really broken off since then. Well, I've been, been doing martial arts really since then. Um, so even when I was in the correctional, even when I was in the correctional facility, I try and practice my forms and train and stuff. And I get in trouble for doing that. Like mm-hmm. you're here for fighting. You can't practice fighting. I'm like, but this is. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, it, it's a definitely a catch 22 where, so tell me how, how martial arts, uh, yeah, the word isn't how it, where did it, why did it not turn the corner for you as much as you think it needed to? Um, I think one, I think the, 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 uh, the rec center program didn't really have the, the foundation built of it that, uh, that like even Tia Westlake had, um, you know, as you know, uh, um, Grandmaster Chicago can be very stern, very, stern, yeah, uh-huh. very strict. And so I think that helped a lot. But it's 
there's also a level of passivity to it. It kind of, in a lot of ways, it stopped when things left the mat. And um, I see. Mm-hmm. And so with, with my parents, my mom was always really overbearing. And my dad was, you know, he could step it up. But for the most part, he was pretty passive. And um, I really attribute my, some of my biggest corrections was when I started training with you. And I started having you in my in my life because you were someone who could put the fear of God into me <laughs> the way that no, the way that no one else could. And uh, but more importantly, you uh, you were, weren't afraid to call me on my shit outside of my behavior on the mat. Mm. And uh, and that was something that you know my mom became white noise because it was just always getting to the point where just okay, I'm I'm in trouble again. Okay, what else? What else? No, this is all I know is being in in trouble. Uh, my dad kind of, he could step up if he needed to, but he took he, more, he was more, com, more compassionate, but not quite as, uh, not quite as, uh, upfront about it, I guess. Right. And then, um, then, uh, like uh, grandma Chico, I respect the hell out of him and for everything he taught me and training on the mat and a lot of those law, of the lessons that, you helped click were laid in the foundation by him and, uh, and be able to take off the mat. And uh, so, yeah, it was the, the biggest disconnect was martial arts to the rest of my life. Like on the mat, I was disciplined. I was, I was, uh, I worked my, I worked my ass off. I, uh, I wanted things to be the best. I wanted to have integrity, but then off the mat, it didn't follow because there was no, there wasn't as much connecting it. And so I think with uh, you, one of the biggest things that happened was just taking a personal interest uh, in me beyond just uh, what's happening on the mat. But then also you had such a strong tie into our faith. And, uh-huh. uh, and so martial arts was a huge, was had always been a massive part of my life. My faith had been an important part of my life that I was always struggling with. And then I had my discipline and beha- and trying to learn how to be in a, be a man and grow up. And the three of those were always kind of separate. And so when you came around, it all started coalescing and coming to coming together through, uh, through serious talkings that we've had through the Bible beatdown with, uh, with, uh, justice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, also being in as much as you and I would get into it at times, I was always welcomed uh, in your school, and you know, even when I was homeless, like you giving me a key to your your school, to your business, to use the showers, and to use things like use things like that, like little things like that, all kind of like, okay, this isn't some, this wasn't just a business thing, or like, okay, this is just a client, right? It was someone that had taken a personal interest in me beyond what the scope of their job really had to be, and so. Um, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that I think I hear what you're saying. I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm a little more of, a, you know, a stern pop. I guess is what you're trying to say. And uh, yeah. and you know, plus, probably, I was a little bit younger back then too. But you know, uh, backing it up was not a problem. Uh, <laughs> so, and I've always kind of gravitated towards. Um, I've always kind of gravitated towards troubled kids anyway. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Especially strong-willed um, uh, males and stuff like that, because I always felt that 
because uh, well, I guess because for for lack of a better thing, I, I was kind of one of those. You know what I mean? I, I was, you know, I just kind of walked the fence of of uh, you know I could have went either way. You know what I mean? When I went with the police department for a while, you know, you know, you could go either way. That could have been me. And it was interesting. I'm listening to you talk. And, and so I, I'm trying to reflect back as an instructor, even what, listen to what you have to say, taking that personal interest. And, you know, I don't do that right away. I'm sure as an instructor, you don't do that right away either. I, I look at people when they first come in as kind of, um, these are our customers. And then the, lo- the longer they stay, um, you know, then they, to me, they become students. And then, then from there, I kind of look and see, okay, you're a student now in my book, you, you've, you've passed this honeymoon stage and now you are in, into the student stage and how much, you know, are you going to, you know, do you want to, you know, do thing martial arts, right? And so it's interesting to, to have, to listen to you as I, you know, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to reflect back, you know, cause I know that you had an, a hard time with, with stuff because people couldn't handle you too well. And then usually inside a martial arts school, right, you're going to have, um, you're going to have the one guy that kind of puts you in your place, right? You always have the enforcer, you know, and, uh, you know, unfortunately there wasn't somebody that could do that to you. No, to, I, in uh, most cases I was, that was, I yeah, was you the were, enforcer. Yeah, you're right. You were the enforcer, right? And, you know, it's funny that that's what you played at Mr. Chikau school because that's kind of what I was back. And when I was, yeah training back in the day. Now I can tell you this, back in those days, there was a couple guys that give a run for oh, money absolutely. back in those days. I'll tell you that. And I had some, my ass handed to me. yeah, I got, you know, <laughs> I, I got rocked a few times back, back in the day. But, um, so, you know, that's interesting, you know, and I appreciate all the acclimates, but, uh, you know, it's still, uh, you know, it's still watching, uh, watching you kind of develop into, uh, into your own, into your own thing. You know what I mean? So I, you know, I've seen that you struggle, you struggle sometimes with, I think we all struggle with when (laughs) to keep our, when, you know, if there's anything I've learned, uh, being an older martial artist now, an older dude is silence is golden. And I can't seem to, to, um, get that sometimes into young men because <laughs> nobody could get it into me when I was a young man. Right yeah. now I'm an older guy and I'm like, there's just sometimes shut your friggin' mouth. You know what I mean? That's just as much as I don't want you to sometimes, I, you know, the, the, where the fight's going to go from there is it, it's hard to see. So, um, you know, you started, I think you did, once you were there, now, how old were you when you got your black belt? Um, I was 18. So, so you left, you had to go away for three years yeah, so and was, not be part of Mr. Chikawa. And you were at what rank at that time? I don't remember which rank it was when I left. So I was one of the intermediate ranks. Um, uh-huh. I know I, I was doing all the, all the Pyongyang showed all Pyongyang showed on Odon, all those, uh, so while, you well away. So I was at least probably so green possibly in the green in the green yeah. area, right? And so, yeah. um, and was there a talk to Mr. with Mr. Chikau before you had to leave? Did your did your folks talk to him and say this is what's no. going to be happening? Uh, no, I think uh, I mean, it kind of took everybody by surprise. 
Like when I went into when we went, <laughs> uh, when we went into the went into UCLA for the appointment, it was supposed to just be like a checkup, like a therapeutic appointment. They didn't uh-huh. expect me to be a little dick and uh, uh, and like run around and thrash and be completely <laughs> uh, obstinate. Where they decided that oh, you know, we should probably check him in overnight. Uh, that wasn't the plan, and so a lot of that was uh, made on the spot. Uh, to the best that I've been able to understand it, and then mm. while I was there, they made the decision to to drive me out to Utah, which a lot of people just sent their. They had a program where they had these. They send these big old Samoan guys from like football players from BYU to knock on these kids' doors and grab them and throw them in a van and and take them out to Utah. Like it was like they they didn't mess around if they. And I was definitely on the receiving end of a lot of their stuff. Um, probably some probably saw some of my most violence as a kid in this place. Um, but uh, my parents did drive me. And so they were, they were involved the whole time. Uh, but yeah, when I came back, I went, got right back into it. My sister got her black belt before me, which kind of pissed me off, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I'm still here. I am still training and teaching. <laughs> um, right. But um, yeah. yeah. So then got that and just kept on, kept on going. Well, do you feel that – so were you 18 when you came out of that or were – So your parents had to decide to let you come out. Is that correct at that no, point? No, actually, um, I graduated high school in three years. And we had – something had been worked out with uh, – I don't – I do not know the details. But something about the funding for me going ended when I finished high school. So by me having all my credits, they're like, oh, well, now you can't afford this anymore. And so I never really graduated the place. I I graduated once and I uh, nicked a couple things on the way out as a kind of uh, F you to the place, found out about that. And so I was home and then they sent me right back. Um, So uh, (laughs) lesson was not learned. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And uh, I, I was thinking about, this, I was talking about this with one of my students. I have a, I have a student of mine, Cameron, who um, is one really great friend out here. And so he and I will just share these getting deep dives into co- topics. And I was kind of sharing how, when the way I grew up, my, like I said, I was, I didn't know anything other than being in trouble. That's what, that's what I, what I look at. I was like, and I remember coming to my parents at one point when I was grounded for like three months. And tell them like, hey, like all I know is me being in trouble. Like I feel like there's no hope for me to redeem myself because I like I am I am I'm a kid. I can't look past a week, let alone three months is an eternity. Can we just start over so I can have like think that there's some kind of hope to behave or whatever? And that didn't happen. Um, but it got to the point where I was always in so much trouble that I had it ingrained me to no longer follow rules and to figure out how to circumvent everything and do things my way, because it didn't really matter what in my head, it didn't really matter what I did. So I might as well figure out to make what I wanted to happen, happen and consequences be damned. Um, and that was a lesson that took a v- extremely long time uh, for me to learn. I didn't learn that in Provo. I didn't learn that when I came home back as an adult and started, uh, and part of the reason why I've always had a hard time with following rules. I think that's kind of where a lot of authority issues came from 
And once I started understanding that, I'm uh, being like, okay, and trying to go, draw back and like, what what are the rules? Why are the rules here? And then most the biggest things I mean, for me, my personal life was when I started teaching, and I started realizing that some of the things I was doing was hypocritical, and I didn't mm-hmm. like that. Like I, I'm a lot of things, but I do my damnedest to not be hypocritical. Um, and that always really, really, really bugged me. And so the more and more I got into these lessons and deep diving, like, okay, if I'm teaching these, these young kids and these adults and the friends and trying to be this mentor like person, um, like, you know, when I, when I was raising Connor, uh, my ex's kid, um, like those kind of things is really was a react was, it took that kind of a reality check to really make the big changes uh, and I, I think martial arts and everything else and all the instructors that i had was and and the teachings of going to church and uh, understanding the bible with my parents and my uh grandparents uh all those things were kind of floating around there but i, I had all the pieces to the puzzle but i didn't know how how to put how the how they would go together and then so now uh, i've been t- taking all these pieces and putting them back together and they're still plenty that are missing but uh but they start yeah. clicking more well i see that you know <clears throat> that's one thing you know uh even even you know between you and i button heads i think that uh you know there's always been a component to you greg that's um you know there's something down there that there's a, a there's a morality and a a conscience sometimes that uh you know that, that and so we battle it right we battle in our own minds I should do that. And, and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, right? Sometimes we, we win the battle of our minds and sometimes we lose the battle of our minds. And so <clears throat> it's interesting for me to see that. Um, cause I, I've, I've heard some of your story here before. And, and when you say that you saw most of the violence in that home, did you have to fight for yourself in there all the time too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I was smaller than everybody there. I was all the same problems I had, uh, before were really, um, exasperated, uh, just highlighted even more because at least when I was in a public school, at least half the kids were decent people, (laughs) you know, Uh didn't have these kind of problems. Now you put me in a place where all these people have this, uh, you know, they're all troublemakers, they're all troublemakers to some extent. Right there, uh, a lot of them have a very predatory, uh, uh, abusive kind of mindset, and so you go in there smaller than everybody. Like, oh man, I I was so much of my fighting experience came from in there. Um, yeah, and plus, you know, when I get pissed off and want to get into a fight with the uh, with the staff, they're BYU football players. And they hit hard. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and there's, there's problems with abuse and stuff in there. And uh, uh, I know, uh, what, a year or so ago, I think about a year ago, Britney Spears came out talking about her experience in Provo. Uh, no, 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 not Britney Spears. Um, the other one, uh, the other blonde, Paris Hilton. Uh. So she went to the girls' campus and she was kind of talking about some of the abuse and some of the stuff there. Now, I never had to deal with like the sexual abuse or anything that uh, a lot of the female campus had but uh but there was definitely you know you have a bunch of underage kids who don't either don't know better or are easy victims and are all troublemakers so they all piss people off 
right? So everyone's pissing somebody off in some way or another. And there's a lot of, and while there's all the therapy and there's all the staff, there's all the therapists and psychologists and everything are all there. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a, lot, a bunch of people are just co college students having a college job just to babysit these kids. And then when they get pissed off and have the stuff, they don't really have the full training of how to do it. So I don't think it was so much that it was malicious abuse, but it was untrained uh, of how to, how to resolve these issues. And so when they get pissed off, they take your head and they bounce it off the wall a couple of times until you cool down. Um, so, well, I guess that's, I, I guess that's an easy target, right? When you don't have um, authority watching what's happening all the time. I think that's good. You know, I think uh, if it was me after listening to you a little bit, Greg, I'd kind of write those thoughts down a little bit and, and uh, cause you know, as you really think about, you know, where your growth came from uh, out of there. And then, you know, what was it like to acclimate back to, I guess, what <clears throat> the real world is? You know what I mean? Uh, that was interesting. Like, big thing that difference was I went in there as this, like, four foot five whatever kid, right? And then... Um, dog just will not sit still um and then uh i came out as a six feet six feet tall you know i just i hit this massive growth spurt towards the end and i like i remember sitting uh in the in the cafeteria at, in provo and uh, I, I also part of the problem is, is i grew to love fighting like mm -hmm. i love throwing down like and yeah. uh, even when i was a smaller it was you know, you've teed off on me a few times. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm still here. Mm. Freaking hurt. <laughs> right. and, uh, you know, but like I could take, I could take it. Right. And so I, I developed that from getting beat up so much, but I was in the cafeteria and this new guy sat down and he's trying to punk me for my food, which happened all the time. New people would show up and they try to somehow assert their dominance uh, kind of thing. And, um, and I'm, I'm getting ready. Like, okay, we're going to get into a fight. This is going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And the guy next to me tells like, Hey, no, no, don't, don't mess with this one. And I'm looking, I'm like, wait, what? And like, so these, the guys around me dissuade this guy who was aggressing on me from fighting me. And I thought it was really, really interesting. Like what, what the hell just happened? And that fight ended up not happening. I'm like, okay, I got it in my head. I was all prepared for the 10, 15 seconds we have before we get sworn by the staff and body slammed. And, uh, and then just, dissuaded and so i found that a lot of my violent issues my fighting issues went away just because of my size backed up to a lot of my skill and then of course when i kept on training the more training i had like uh, i deal with this in martial arts like oh you're training how to fight and I'm like well I'm, yeah i'm training how to fight but i'm also training how to do these things so that i don't have to fight and so those mm -hmm. things all kind of came in and so when it uh came into coming back into the real world I'd already developed a lot of these habits. Of, well, a lot of these habits can came, came out where my size was enough to hold, to cover for a lot of my insecurities. And then as I added more skill to it, um, it made it even more, even easier. Um, didn't help that. I, I did go back to Agora high school for my senior year for absolutely no reason other than, this is what everyone else was doing. Like my parents had that mindset of we want you to socialize. And so uh, that good and bad, good because uh -huh. I got to socialize, 
bad because I realized I had already graduated high school. And so I cared nothing about my grades and I just dicked around the whole time. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I was told that if I had gone into a single fight because of my history, I'd be expelled. And so I put a little more focus on how to defend myself without hitting people. And that happened, that happened multiple times where someone would get in my friend's face. Cause I've always been super protective of other people. Um, and, uh, and I'd end up restraining them. I, <laughs> I walked, I, one time this guy threw, threw a punch at my friend. I wrapped him up and walked him into the principal's office and I'm holding him. He's like, he's like yelling. And I, I had him some kind of figure for lock. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Just happened to end up there. Right. And, uh, and like, this guy took a swing at me. What do I do? Let him go. Like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so I didn't get in trouble. Cause I was like, you, everyone came out and said like, he could have fought, but he didn't fight. He just controlled the guy and put him out. And so that was a uh, important lesson. But so as far as the fighting side, that kind of took care of itself and the martial arts scratched that itch. Um, you know, no, I did the well, MMA fighting. Right. Um, I think, yeah, we'll, so we'll talk about that. So you, you know, um, you know, fighting inside the karate studio is one thing. Fighting inside the ring is a whole different ball game. And then it looks like uh, I was at one of your fights one time um, when uh, you were at Ken Rose's, I believe. And I think how many times did you fight in the ring? Uh, four. Four times. Did you ever do the octagon with us or not? Who did yeah. you? Oh, no, oh, well, yeah, I did those ones. Yeah. I was, I was what, just what, Ken Rose's. One of the little smokers we did at, at Mr. Chikau's or something. Yeah. I fought. Um... I think his name was Kenny. He was a kickboxer. Um, wasn't Kenny Broderick? I'm, I I don't remember that. God, that was that was like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, it seems like yesterday, but yeah, I, I've been. Yeah, I remember. So I, I saw that. Um, and I don't know. Did you go train for that? Or did you go train with Ken Rose for this, or did you just like I'm just going to pop in the ring and do what I do? Uh, pretty much that, and that was very humbling. Um, uh -huh. We won the won the first one, uh, uh, then uh, then lost second. Uh, lost the, the learn lessons I learned from the other fights were valuable. Uh, one fought I one time I fought with the flu. Um, that was just stupid because uh, we sold all these tickets. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to disappoint people, and I just went there and just got my ass handed to me for three rounds. <laughs> and that was just <laughs> like, that I've I've done smarter things. Um, uh -huh. But it, uh, it's weird because like a lot of these lessons I've learned such hard, I've learned such valuable lessons through the martial arts, right? Like that was a good one. Don't, taking care of your body, taking your, taking care of your health, um, learning, learning patience. Well, we did this a lot in the Bible beatdown matches, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we, you know, give them a good old uh, chat with baptism. Um, and, uh, but like I, you'd, you'd send me out to, cause someone was hurting people. Someone was going too hard. So you say, okay, Greg, go fight this guy. And like, you know, keep put them in check and i don't and i'd learn to give them a warning shot like they'd come in and they and i'd check and i'd be like are you sure you want to go to this level and then if they just said yeah let's go then i'd drop them like with a back kick or, or something right yeah um, i remember those yeah and um but having that warning and but then also making sure to be able to take care of someone what that you did care about even though you had to check them right there was no malice behind it, it was kind of like okay if you want to go this hard this is what you're going to find um, I had the same thing when you and I first fought. Um, I completely underestimated you. Um, <laughs> like, it's like, I'm like, oh, who's this guy? You know, you know, this is 
however much way to go. And I just, I had a terrible mind frame of waiting looking at it. And I just like, you know, everyone's so afraid of this Mark Cox guy. Who the hell is he? And, and, and stuff. And, and then it's so like, I'm going to fight him and we're going to go toe to toe. And like, freaking owl. <laughs> like, like, like uh, I don't know if you still, I don't know if you fixed that door yet from when you put me through it. But, um, <laughs> but like, we do call that the Greg Mills door. Yeah, so that was that. Then um, uh, another time uh, we we're at a sparring night in Ichikawa school and we touch gloves and we'll fight and then we go to find someone else and i see that everyone's pairing up and then there's this girl and i'm like damn it i don't want to fight i don't want to fight a girl that's such a waste of my time then mm -hmm. finally what we're gonna do it. i'm like okay i'm going to uh i'll just use that as a warm-up round and so we touch gloves and she kicks my ass just like just straight up hands it hands it to me and uh and find out that that was a uh, that was uh nathan carlin's fiance so <laughs> <laughs> she's uh yeah that's vanessa yeah she likes yeah. to throw elbows she's a little she was a little tyrant uh but you know I, to, these are all lessons that taught me to not make assumptions and, and mm -hmm. to not take things for granted and to check uh check my perspectives on things and uh and th those are lessons that i keep revisiting that like even though yeah, you know, so, 15 years ago, but right. I, you know, I listen over and over to what you're saying. Right. And it, it's, I, I, even in my own, uh, journey, I, my lessons always come from most of my lessons come from my losses. They really don't come from my win because yeah. I mean, um, you know, or, uh, you know, you know how, as far as martial arts goes, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I can get a better sense for you now after, uh, this small conversation about where you came from as a teenager and what that looked like. And I noticed that you don't have anybody that you talk about that was a mentor there for you. It was more like a survival, uh, for three years more than it was. Yeah. I mean, we um, had therapists and stuff, but you know, yeah, God, they were, their therapists like, they like, Oh, well the only way to explain this behavior is your dad must've abused you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like you're like, Go back to your uh, psychology for dummies book and try again. Like it was like, uh, yeah. And I think I think our understanding of things as we go through. I do a lot of I try and do a lot of studying of teaching and uh, of uh, philosophy and psychology and stuff to try and connect better with my students. Talk about mindset, training, different all these different things. And I think that we just come so much further away from so many stigmas where this everything fit in one box. And so now there's so many shades of gray and really trying to understand people better rather than just immediately going, you're in this category, you are in this category, you are in this category. You know, most people right. have a bleed over of all these different ones. And I think that's a big thing that was missing for those kind of mentors that I was supposed to have uh, back then. Like I, I did have a mentor, Patrick Bagley. He was the uh, vice, no, vice principal of the school, uh, of like the academic part of the school he understood that I needed an outlet. So he would give me access to the library and I would, I, I would write all the time, uh, write books and just things, notes, and just all the, all the time. And I had access to it almost whenever I wanted. That was probably one of the single most valuable ways of me getting my stuff, my emotions and feelings out while in that place. Cause everywhere else, if I did it, I got in trouble for something. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so he did, see, he did see that. And then there's another guy, Ephraim, uh, Ephraim Hanks. Uh, he would, he and I would just jam and listen to music. Well, 
he would jam and he just let me hang out with him and um and we'd get into talks that had nothing to do about all the other stuff but it was like actually having someone who was really invested uh so but but yeah no one, no one that was willing to put me through it well that's not true. Plenty of people will put me through a wall, but no one will put me through a wall with some love like you did. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, I learned something from you, Greg. So, so, you know, you know, I usually, you know, when you, you, you're going to punish a, you, you know, kind of a, an alpha male, right. You, you almost need another alpha male to, to kind of, you, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get emails about that. Cause I'm saying alpha male, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I learned something from you. The, even though I beat you down, it's almost like, it was a badge of honor for you. So it wasn't teaching oh, yeah. a lesson. No. It was, hey, I survived uh, Mr. Cox. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and and that's, you, you know, even so, you know, I remember the guys that just used to kick the fire out of me, right? I, uh, like Tom Block and stuff like that. I mean, these guys put, put a beating on me. And that's kind of the same way, you know. I took it as a badge of honor. I didn't take it as a humbling experience. And I, I found that the lesson I learned from you back then, just so you know, was like, um, I'm not getting through to him just by beating his ass. You know what I mean? Cause you know, I don't know. There's a guy, there's a weird part to some of us, you know, all of us, right? You know, I think Jay had that a little bit. Jason flame had that. I have that. And guys that are in a little inner circle and we kind of like the hitting. We kind of like getting punched in the face. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of like knowing what it's like to get choked out, and so I like, but, I like knowing that I can take what you're going to throw at me. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's it's a test, right? It's a test. Yeah. It's this. I don't know. It's this tribe mentality, and uh, uh, but when I sat you down and I said, uh, and I say, you know what? As your teacher, I couldn't be more disappointed in your actions as I am today. Yeah. And then I left it at that. I think that was a lesson I learned with, you know, having you uh, around quite a bit back then is if I'm going to get through to this kid, it's going to be uh, not through beating him down. It's going to be through he's going to have to reassess that he's disappointing me more than. Well, and uh, I think it's also I think it's a combination of the two, because. For me to be able to care to wear a badge of honor getting <laughs> getting my ass handed to me by you, you had to you had like you had to earn that from me. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I had I had to respect you enough to for that to mean something. Right? Like if if uh I almost put out a name that I really don't want to put out, but uh, yeah. if someone that we know uh whooped on me, you know, and tagged me a bunch of times, I wouldn't really care because I don't respect the person. Right. Mm -hmm. But for, for when you to be that, I'm like, okay, I can take what he can have. And then you go, Oh, now I'm also disappointed in you. You know, that's a huge thing. Um, it's, um, I like, I think a really good example of that was, uh, when we went to, uh, the Maya show, uh, in Vegas uh -huh. and, uh, I ended up hooking up with somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, I found out after the fact that she was married. Right. Uh -huh. And that just that pissed me off because I, that's not something that I, that's not something that I do. And you were pissed off at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. And, and, and rightfully so. And it meant a lot to me. And one of the things that I took from that was that you and I remember you said this to me that if I wasn't if I just went there to do what I was supposed to do and wasn't worried about trying to get some, 
it wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened anyway, whether I meant to sleep to uh, sleep with someone who was married or not, which I, I had no idea. I found out the next day that right. other people that that was right. And that kind of really stuck with me. And um, I went down to Tennessee uh, for some, uh, for some training and I, uh, and there's this girl that she was cute and, you know, everyone was hitting on her and she, she kept on coming up to me being like, why aren't you pretty much like, why aren't you hitting on me? And I'm like, <laughs> because I'm here to work. Like, I'm, right, I'm, right. Here to, I'm here to learn stuff. Like, uh, and she's like, well, don't you think I'm cute? I'm like, yeah, but I'm here to work. <laughs> right. And so she ended up, ended up going out and, uh, and getting some drinks and, and hanging out. But, and, uh, it got to the point where she was getting upset that I wasn't trying to actually hit on her, that I was just hanging out with her. <laughs> I'm just like, you don't understand. Like, I'm here to work. Like, if you and I want to talk, right? Long distance and maybe something else, cool, right? But here, I'm here to work. And, uh, and so she and I did end up like long distance talking and stuff, and no- nothing ever came of it. But, uh, but it was something where I felt pride that I had developed a conviction to, in myself that. Uh, that if I don't, if I avoid certain circumstances and have a standard that I don't avoid or that I don't fall to, right, uh, mm-hmm. fall past, that it avoids so many other problems, right? That could have could have happened. I, like, I, it could have been the same situation. I don't know what, what she ended up. Being, she was a fantastic girl, like, but to me, I just long distance thing wasn't going to work for me. And so, but I was, I, I was pri- proud that like as much as I could have had like a sure sure thing for a fun night or something right that i stuck i had in principles and convictions that were more important and that came that was instilled the impetus of that was our conversation of that situation back in vegas that like you know what? i don't want to be that person uh-huh. right and so i'm going to make sure that this never happens again and so i need to have more self-control i need to have more principles more uh, more discipline to make sure i don't i don't uh even accidentally fall into that situation. Yeah, which is good, which I think uh, sometimes uh, equates to uh, just having ownership of what you do. You know, the the, the Jocko book, Extreme Ownership, is probably one of the most um, transformation um, books that I've ever read myself. Plus, I like listening to it more than I like reading it when you listen to it talk. But when you live a life of extreme ownership or you take ownership of what you do, Lessons can be learned easier. People will relate to it because they can say that, you know what, I've been down that same road and this has happened to me. And then if you want to make a change, as far as a leader goes, if you want to make a change, you can. And in today's society, in today's woke society, it's almost it's almost a taboo to to, to make mistakes anymore, right? You know, we're so uh, accustomed to, uh, gosh, I can't, you know, if I say the wrong thing or something like that, I'm just going to be, doesn't matter if I've learned a lesson from it. It just matters that I've actually said it, you know, because, you know, everybody else is so judgmental as if they've never done anything. And the problem is, it's not that you've never done anything. You haven't got caught for what you have said or done yet. Right. You know, that's really what it boils down to, you know. Um, so those are some, those are some good lessons. So let's, you know, we, we, we're, we're 50 minutes into this, but so let's talk about how you got to Virginia. So the Maya show that we, we were walking around together and, uh, you know, Robbie wasn't there and cause I would have liked to seen you and Robbie go at this, right. Oh, that was uh, so much fun. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. cause I was watching the, I was watching the course 
And um, I think I came up to you, right? And I said, Greg, I think you should do this course. And uh, this Krav Maga booth had this, I don't know what it was, this you go through here, you fight something here, and you got you to gotta shoot at a paper target, and you got to do what you're going to do. And, you know, I guess it was it a time thing, if you got the, the yeah. fastest time or something to that effect, right? Yeah, so we had like obstacle courses for you to kind of go through. You had to do some drawing and, and putting tar- shots on target. You had to do some defenses, do some strikes, uh, some bag drags, and uh, – and you also had to put on put a tourniquet on somebody, right? Yes. So I remember you you going through this, and I think I, you set a course record, right, when you did it, and we kept watching it for a couple of days to see if anybody would break it, or did you have to go through it again to get a better time? Uh, so I qualified the first day because I set a record, and then uh, and so then we would have to come back on the third day or whatever for the like the championship. And, go uh-huh. through again. and so during that time though, uh, the biggest thing I, that I identified that I had the hardest time with was the tourniquet. And I noticed that everybody else was getting stuck up on the tourniquet. So you got to put it on in a certain amount. And the faster you put it on, you had to do it good enough. And they had, you had a, a guy watching you right there, making sure that you, you did it right. And so I ran through the course over and over and over. And I just drilled that tourniquet like nobody's business. Like it, people would come out and they'd be practicing the shooting and all that, right? Right. You know, the shooting held, held up some people, but it was really the turn. I identified what the main problem was. It was the tourniquet, so made sure to rock that. And this other, uh, this other kid, oh, what was his name? Uh, I can't remember. His his dad was there, kind of coaching him. But he and I were just like. We would skip seminars and go and just practice, <laughs> practice this thing, right? Because in between the seminars, when they had other people competing, but inside that, we just went and went and went and went, and uh, and so this guy, he, uh, he and I were just constantly pushing each other, and that was that was fun. Like I'm like, man, I, I don't like being the only one out there doing it. I want someone to compete against. I'll do it by myself, but yeah, right. So I remember that. So that's kind of what. I remember when you won, you know, we were there. I think you won yourself a cert gun and all kinds of stuff. Cert and gun, I think shock knife and a trip uh, to uh, Pennsylvania crop camp with uh, Ernie Kirk's group. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Ernie, and I also yeah. Won the, uh, the uh, Lieutenant Scott Wilcox award, uh, which was awarded by his wife. Uh, he had just died a year uh, prior, but she was, she said that she was looking for someone out there that represented her, her late husband's character and mindset. And she, and so she, when she saw me practicing, right. She's like, it's that guy. Like no one else is putting in the same work that this guy's doing. That guy is doing what, uh, what that was. So that one meant more to me, but yeah, you know, I don't, I, gosh, why don't I recall that either? I don't recall it or it didn't go on my radar as important. Yeah. That's, that's, that's quite a, yeah, that's quite an honor coming from somebody who is honoring their their loved one. So that was, yeah, that's a good call. But I guess that's where it all started, right? Because you went to this camp, and that's where um, they saw you. Yeah, that's and, where I met Tim Rook. Yeah. Right. And then uh, that's how it all, all came about. All from that Maya show, all from that practice, winning that the, thing. All for that, all for that tourniquet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and then going out there because... You know, you were struggling with what to do out here. You you learned you learn quick. Even having your own program is not is quite as easy as as you get, especially when you're 
you know, when you, when you want a champagne school on a beer budget, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard to grow. It's not impossible, but it's hard. You know what I mean? And then you're working very hard for other people and, and putting in that time. Um, so it gets, that just gets to be hard. You know what I mean? And so I know that that was a struggle and this opportunity came along and, um, unfortunately it was right before your black belt test with me. So, uh, you, you took on this, uh, this new venture. And so with that, now, now that you've, you've, you know, I wouldn't per se that you're the school owner, so you don't, you're not responsible for the, the bills and the payroll and all the stuff that comes with having a business, but you are in charge of this school and its growth and what it's supposed to do. So, uh, what are the lessons that you've learned now? Now, now you've taken all this. Um, what's one of the lessons that you've learned where you look back and go, this is exactly what Mark Cox or Jason flame or, you know, are talking about right here. This is exactly <laughs> what they mean. Um, it's a few loaded questions in there, <laughs> but, um, um, my main thing has always been focusing on the students mm-hmm. um, and my, my philosophy from when I first started teaching to, uh, and I still have it today is that if you have good, if you take care of your students, well, the business will more or less take care of itself. That's by, I've learned that that is very much a very broad statement with a whole <laughs> bunch that comes underneath that. And I've learned more and more what comes underneath that. I still uh-huh. try, I still try to have my principles of the one I, when I run things, when I do things for the students, I put their, uh, make, make sure they're getting the value and they're getting, uh, what's benefiting them first. And, um, and being, and being honest, you know, and being, uh, making sure I don't like to hide, prices or hide like hidden costs or anything. I'm just, I try to be upfront with everything. And, um, you know, there might be a couple of people that maybe I don't sync because I didn't sell or manipulate them into buying up a membership, but the people who do see this, they see that there's integrity behind it. And, uh, and so they stick around and I, that's something I'm proud of, but, um, I've really learned to, uh, the value of one-on-one lessons for, uh, introductory lessons uh-huh. as it been a big thing. because uh, you know, forever the, the, the practice was you throw them in, you throw them into a normal class and they, they say, Hey, do you like it? Okay. Yeah. Here, sign up. And be able to sit down and really talk to the students and the parents in that one-on-one setting really finds out like, okay, what is, it helps make that first step of that actual connection to the student. And it's something that I didn't, that I didn't really value very much until, uh, until I came out here. I know Jason uh, had talked about this at one point. Uh, I don't think, I I think he does it now, but I know back when we were doing it, we didn't really do it back then. I know with Brandon, we didn't really do it all, all that much. Uh Um, but coming out here and learning that I've like that when putting in the right framework, because the point is to connect with the students, not to try and give them a sales pitch, but to try and understand like, okay, what are you looking to get out of this? And then highlighting them? Okay. This is what 
okay, I see what you want. And this is how our program will get this. Oh, I see what you want, but our program doesn't offer this. But it, but and you look at it in this light, this can access this, and you understand where they're coming from, and that way, and you explain to them that I think it's important for the parents to be involved and all that. So that's big. Um, understanding staff staffing. Um, mm-hmm. um, how much? I don't want to get too political on that. So okay, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh we had this parent side out coming up and so i want th- that's the big thing i have we have events non-stop like almost at my of the three schools that uh that uh that tim the owner has my school has events going on not every almost every single weekend uh last this last weekend i had a knife defense seminar and then an adult cram sessions uh this weekend we have a parents night out and we have a woman's self-defense and really putting that value of I got it. If I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. And we, I tried taking a vacation um, with my uh, with my girlfriend, and uh, I had to set up for my staff to do. You guys are new parents night night out this night, and two days before, both my student, both those staff canceled, and so I was <laughs> I was stuck in this point where I'm like, okay, how do I do this? And I and uh, I was. I got one of my staff to step up and do it. And fortunately, one of the other staff from one of the other schools came in and cover it. But I was prepared to step in and like I'm gonna have to cancel my thing so I can do this because this is something that we already we've already sold tickets for. I've already I'm trying to make it that if I say I'm gonna do something, meaning we're gonna offer a uh, a program or we're gonna offer a seminar or a service or something that we're gonna do it, even if it's only for one person. Um and so I didn't want to cancel it. So that was one of those things. Um, well, yeah, that's you know, that's uh, that's welcome to leadership right there. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, there's days where we have it where um, I mean, I've, this was kind of from before anyway, but I have people who are supposed to run my, my kids program and then they call me for some reason they can't come in or they're sick or whatever that is. And um uh, and so I got to step up. I got to rearrange my whole schedule to make sure that the, cl- that the school runs uh, the way it's supposed to, even though I'm not technically usually on the mat until the adult classes. Um, I'm used- so I got to rearrange the, uh, the appointments that I have set up and doing all those things. So just little things like that really has come through. Um, trying to understand inventory. I, <laughs> I know I, that was a big lesson. I'm still learning that one. I still, I'm terrible with inventory, but I'm, not as terrible as I used to be. So <laughs> making yeah. make on that. But um Well, it's it's right. There's a, there's the <clears throat> the easy part of martial arts uh, ownership is the teaching classes. Uh yeah. the hard part is making a business so the doors don't close. Yes. And trying to make the uh between the two, right? Because uh if you've heard you know, it's it's always said, right? Uh, if you're a martial artist I can't believe you you charge for that. You know what I mean? I, I you, you know you get this stigma that what we do should be, you know, we should be giving away a lot of what we do. And then here's the thing: I know anywhere there's a martial arts school, there's a benefit to that community. All Absolutely. right, whether it's to the studio, whether it's to the the community itself, just safety wise, right? You know, having the studio around people feel safer. You know what I mean? Uh, whether it's a uh, drive for the, for, uh, 
you know, for the local schools where we bring in supplies for them, right? And and stuff like that. Uh, whether it's at Thanksgiving time and we and we get turkeys out for for you know families that need help or whatever. Uh, this is the beauty of the martial arts school. And this is the stigma. But unfortunately, if if you know if we're going to have that, if you want that in the community, there has to be a cost that that, that is is adhered to it. So, I think uh, you know, listening to what you're saying now, that you're you're getting a taste of what leadership really looks like, uh, because you have to now you have to handle not just teaching class. You got to you got to handle the uh, you know the pressures of uh, developing your team and then making sure they want to they you know, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then you have the pressures of, is there enough new students coming in? And, you know, the selling part, you know, and the beauty of selling part is passion. You know, yeah. I know this, if you get in front of me, you're going to want to take class. That's just yeah. how I feel. Uh, you know, cause I've known what the martial arts has done for me and what it can do for your child. If you're, if you're going to get on board and be on board, you know what I mean? And then, uh, uh, then this, this will be, uh, um, you know, something beneficial for their life. So this is, uh, Sean is saying good afternoon, sir. Thanks so much, Greg, for doing this live broadcast, sharing your background. I've enjoyed and benefited so much from your classes in short time. I can't wait to get back to training as a parent of an ADH nine year old who seems to be headed down a similar path. It has become near impossible to correct him with traditional discipline and redirection to the point where he finds himself, in a constant ground struggle where being in trouble is the normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, th that right there, that's the one the thing that like, as much as I love teaching the adult classes more, mm -hmm. like it's just, I, I th that's my soft spot <laughs> for all, yeah. all the kids who've gone through that. Those kind of things. Like always the kids that some of the younger staff are like, Oh man, I don't want to deal with that kid today. I'm like, no, that's the kid that that's why we're doing this is. Uh-huh. Right. And I think that's true. I think that you're going to find in martial arts, I think anybody that is listening right now, I can tell you this in a martial arts school, uh, a martial arts school, I, I've yet to see any of them in, in my time of doing this for 30 something years. It, the mat does not see your creed. It does not see your religion. It does not see your color. It does not see anything outside of what it's going to expose your weaknesses. And it doesn't matter what you are. Um, so that's the beauty of it. And then a lot of times you're going to get these kids, you know, the, the, nobody is going to take the ADH kid. Most of the time, even my children were the same way. They put them in a special class in a special school. You're in special ed it's called. So you're special, you know, and so you're getting made fun of for that shit and all that, you know what I mean? And my kids went through the same stuff, right? In this martial arts school, you might be a problem. At some point, there will be a corner turned if, if, if you can con be consistent with uh, the discipline of it. And unfortunately, some schools still don't do. I, I mean, we're still kind of an old school discipline. You know, we've got parents that have come in and say, "This my kid is so out of control. Go ahead and boot camp him. Do what you're going to do. I'm going to leave." Right. And then we'll we'll physically break him down so that we can mentally talk to them. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's, it's, you know, you know, whether it's working out physically hard and making them do things that they don't want to do. And then you, you get them to a place where you can go, is, is this really, was this worth it today or whatever? So, you know, and just like, you know, that's what you enjoy. That's probably what 
what attracts me the most to it. Uh, kids that are bullied can't stand it, you know, um, because that's how I was. You know what I mean? Kids are getting made fun of special needs kids that are a little social awkward and no one sticks up for them in school and stuff like that. I cannot stand that at all. You know what I mean? You get them, Aries. And uh, uh, so uh, I, I have a, uh, you know, I have a, a real passion for that. And I believe you have that same thing. I think it all comes from our background as we've grown up to be men of uh, uh, watching, you know, uh, what happened to us, not wanting that to happen to somebody else if we could be that mentor. So, you know, with that being said, I wanted, you know, this podcast went just the way I thought it would. I'd like to see um, the other side of, uh, you know, Greg, the other side of you that you have, because uh, like myself, you know, some people, you know, everybody loves us and some people hate us. I don't really, you know, I don't really give it, I don't, yep. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know, if you don't, if you, you know, if you don't <laughs> like it, you know, uh, you know, I put out the meme the other day. I said, you know, people talk behind my back because they have enough respect for me not to do it in front of my face. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, if there's, uh, you know, listening to your last thing and what you're saying and, and then you have this, this, uh, this mom here, uh, you know, thanking you for, what you're doing and, and having, right. having a, a problem child in. Well, she's, all, and, she's one of our adult students too. So mm-hmm. that's uh, so she gets, yeah. So that. that's, so it's great. It, it's, it's good to see because in a martial arts school, it doesn't matter how good we do. Everybody's going to bring up the bad and that's just the way life is. You can do good for 300 years and then you do one thing bad and you're going to hear for it for 300 years. You know what I mean? It, it's just one of those things. It just, you know, and so, uh, as a instructor, when we hear we're so critical of ourselves that it uh, it's a blessing to hear, hey, you know, because sometimes we go home and we're like, am I making a difference or am I not, man? Because this is just, you know, this day sucked, you know, moms or dads on top of you and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and they're not happy here and you have to run a business at the same time you want to have ownership in your martial arts in your, and you want to have a certain way for it to happen. It all just is a cluster. And then, you know, you, there's a breakthrough on, on one of these kids. So, you know, it was been, it's it's, hours worth. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, uh, I, Nobody can love dogs like you do and not be, have a good heart. You know what I mean? Uh, most really good dog people have these awesome hearts. You know what I mean? It's just, because, you know, dogs can tell when you are a POS, you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, my, they, uh, yeah, my so, girlfriend, my girlfriend's brother asked her like, uh, is there a world where Greg doesn't have his dogs? And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know it was important to you because I feel that, you know, they're uh, when they say that they're therapy, they are definitely therapy, especially to to uh, to to uh, strong men like that, you know, to have that to have that uh, that commonality together, that camaraderie, you know what I mean, that you can only get from a from the, an animal like that. So it's been good. So this is this has been good, Greg. I, I'm going to have this um, in, in audio for you. And. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to tell you before you're doing a fantastic job. I'm proud of the, 
the man you're, you're, you're becoming the, this new girl that you got, she looks awesome. Try not to screw that up. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I told her that I told her like, yeah, every time I check in with Mark, he's like, well, you haven't screwed this one up yet. <laughs> I tell her, like, he likes you. So that's good. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's good to see, uh, it's good to see that, uh, you know, your the lessons learned, it was great to hear kind of your feedback. If you so, if you got any students that are going to listen to this today, uh, I've been with Greg for a long time. I've got to teach him for a long time, and um, I think you guys are in 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 a good place. If you want to learn how to defend yourself, he's going to teach you how to defend yourself. Okay, yeah. he's got stories for you that he's uh, life has lived and and that you can learn from it. And uh, you know, I didn't graduate college. I did some college, just wasn't for me. Uh, I went through the same school of hard knocks, just like you did, and just in a different path. So uh, I think this is Tim. I think this is uh, the owner of the schools you work for right here, right? Yeah. Great. God pass, guys. You guys come a long way through the school of hard knocks. Thank you for your passion, dedication. It's great. Um, you got a couple other people coming in here at the last thing. Um, uh, I. This is a good comment too here from Sherilyn. So it looks like you got, looks like you got people coming out here that's, listening that's to you, bro. Right <laughs> oh, oh, hey, you let me know. I'm you let me know. Go ahead and introduce her. Go ahead and introduce her. Tell everybody who she is. <laughs> oh, that's Charlie. No, she's amazing. <laughs> if I could be half as compassionate as as she is, then I'm off to a good start. Uh, <laughs> There's definitely times where I'm a hey, sweetheart. <laughs> definitely times where I'm uh, very stubborn, and she is extremely patient with me. <laughs> no, really, which, which is, what which a is shock! Really <laughs> Just so you know, there, Sherlyn. I I would like to punch him in the face when he's like that. Just so you know, so I know exactly <laughs> what what he's talking about. Exactly what he's talking about. So uh, no, he's a good dude, though. I tell you, he's a, you know, uh, sometimes misunderstood, but I'm the same way. So, you know, it is what it is. I thought today was uh, it went uh, just as, as I wanted planned. Make sure you share this with your guys. Uh, thanks, everybody that's checked in. Um, if you're looking for in your area, uh, make sure that where you at exactly. What's the city you're in? Gainesville. Your school. Gainesville, Virginia. Gainesville. Yeah. Gainesville, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So I listen, it's been great. You know, we talk about, we didn't get, we didn't get to talk about the borderline thing. I said, we can do that on another time. Um, I think, uh, if I do something about more, um, training and some, and some other stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the borderline. Uh, you know, you had a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about, but, uh, we'll get to that one when it can be concentrated for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sound good. Yeah. All right, man. Just, uh, to all my to my students or anyone else that's following, I just want to take the time uh, to really just like, I've already talked about a little bit, but just how much uh, Mark has meant to me. Um, just, uh, you know, when I even when I'm out here in Virginia, typically he's the first person that I call when I have a, when I have a problem or I'm like, <laughs> OK, I, I, I'm hit with this thing. I don't know what to do. And so even from across the country, uh, I look at I look at you as really my number one mentor. So I appreciate it everything that you do, everything you do for all the students that, uh, I would not be, uh, as successful or the person that I am without everything that you've done. And I think it's important to acknowledge those people in your life and you're definitely one of them, sir. 
So thank you. I appreciate it. I always, you know, I always appreciate you guys for all the accolades you give me, but, uh, trust me, I learned more from you guys than you do from me. I can tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right, man. Have a good night. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to real talk with Mark Cox, real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.